Greetings, friends. I am Tim Woody, and welcome to Leadosophy. Leadosophy is the fusion of leadership and philosophical thought. Together, we will deepen our understanding of leadership using the tools of meaningful dialogue, reflection, and a general curiosity to learn from one another. We will crowdsource knowledge, staying within the bounds of leadership, followership, team dynamics, and organizational effectiveness. I hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is a rule and not the exception. What you're about to listen to is a really fantastic interview I had with Dr. Markel Perkins, who is the principal of Lakeside High School in Ashtabula, Ohio. It's uh, Ashtabula, Ohio is in northeastern Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie. And Bill Kamavener, who is the superintendent of Cardinal School District in Middlefield, Ohio. Really great interview. We talk about everything from leadership through COVID, leading through COVID, uh, followership, team effectiveness. I hope you enjoy the interview with, with these two gentlemen. Here we go. And I'm here with Dr. Markel Perkins. Uh, Markel is the Lakeside High School principal in Ashtabula, Ohio, the beautiful shores of Lake Erie. <laughs> and Bill Kermavner is a superintendent of Cardinal Local School District in Middlefield, Ohio. Is that correct, Bill? That's correct. Well, I've never been to Middlefield, um, not far from Chardon, Ohio, right. is it? Is right. right. Yeah, about uh, 10 minutes away from Chardon, neighboring community. Uh, rural, rural Ohio, that's what you have here. Now, the, uh, the town of Middlefield, Bill, pretty small? It's pretty small, right? Pretty small, and, but uh, it is considered an industrial hub of Joggett County. We have a lot of, uh, I would say, about uh, 18,000 people that come in to that hub just for the factory hub uh, from outer uh, communities like Warren uh, that we have a lot of uh, visitors actually during the day because it is such an industrial hub of Joggett County. Gotcha. And then Markel, your, your school is in Ashtabula County, which if I remember right, is the largest county geographically in the state of Ohio, if I remember right. That is correct. Big cross section. Of, of people in Ashtabula County and Ashtabula in, in specific. But yes, you, you living here, you know that, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I spent some time there. My kids were raised in Madison, Madison, Ohio. My, my oldest son goes to college in Heidelberg University. Okay. Um, so excited for him there. So I, I am, I'm grateful for, for both of you spending your time with us this evening. We're talking about leadership, probably getting some <laughs> stuff. Um, maybe dive into team effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, wherever the conversation leads, I'm okay with if, if you guys are. So. Mommy, mommy. Bill, if I could start with you. So Markel's been on the show before. Markel was on season one. Uh, I was explaining to Markel that it's been about four months since I podcasted, maybe five. I kind of took a break. And this is my, my springboard back into the show um, for season two. But Bill, can you give listeners just kind of a, a quick overview how you ended up in a superintendent role? What was that journey like? Well, I, I can give you the short answer uh, to it. I, I spent a year, uh, my first year as a, uh, as a high school principal at Cardinal High School. Actually, uh, uh, Markel followed me uh, in that position. Uh, so about uh, seven months into it, uh, the superintendent, my predecessor, um, took a job at the Ohio Department of Education. Uh, so uh, they were in need of uh, someone to fill in for the last four months 
of the school year. And they, since I did have my superintendent's license and had some experience in that area, they, they asked me to uh, step in as interim. Uh, and then uh, since it was like a four month interview process, I guess, um, they decided to keep me on as superintendent. And uh, then we went out and uh, hired uh, doc Dr. Perkins for the high school principalship. So, uh, and that's how uh, Dr. Perkins and I uh, became uh, friends and, and colleagues. So. so, yeah, Dr. Perkins explained that you needed a license to, to be a superintendent, which I had no idea. Is it the same for, for principal? Is that that's correct. And, and uh, principal license, uh, though a, a superintendent's license is kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, you have a uh, principal license that are broken up into, into uh, three distinct areas, elementary, middle, and high school. Uh, so, uh, so yes, you do need a license for both. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, it's law profession, education, medical side. It makes total sense, uh, licensing. So flip over to Markel, Dr. Perkins. What would you prefer? You want me to call you Dr. Perkins? You can call me Markel. But I do know you so well. Uh, Markel, again, you were on the show before, but it's, it's been a while. Can you kind of talk about your journey up into kind of the principal role, your background and uh, anything else you want to add? Wow. It, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It's been a fun ride, obviously. Um, you know, growing up, uh, just wanted to be like my educators uh, because they put a lot of trust in me. Um, they gave me the confidence. They had a lot of confidence in me before I had that confidence. So I wanted to be like them. So, uh, you know, went to school for it, uh, got out, did some long-term subbing. And then after the long-term subbing, uh, went in to the Coast Guard and did that for 11 years. Learned a lot in uh, the Coast Guard, just about um, followership, leadership. Um, you know, how to do the job the right way, you know, how to do things the right way. And then after the Coast Guard still had that itch, wanted to be in education. So while I was on active duty, obviously still earning my, my master's and then my doctorate, um, got out back in the education field, started off alternative schools. So these schools were schools where kids were suspended or expelled. And in lieu of that, they came to me and, um, our job was to get them graduated or get them back on track and then uh, send them back to school or, or send them on their way through their through their life and so did that for a couple of years and then uh, uh, success coach and then on my way got my principal's license and uh, you know finally got that principal's job at a charter school for a couple of years and you know always a product of, pro of public school so wanted a public school and then cardinal came up didn't know where cardinal was by the way <laughs> Uh, to start off and uh, Bill was your compass. Call. Bill was your compass to the Cardinal school system. You had to use the GPS to find it out in Middlefield. I'm like, you're out in the middle of a field because that's the name of your city. Um, <laughs> but got out there, loved it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity that uh, Cardinal gave me uh, to get that first start in public in the public school system and trusting that uh, that leadership role at Cardinal. The people there are amazing. That community is great. I love it. I still have friends there. I still go back there as I left. It was very hard leaving it. Um, you know, and then out here to, to Ashtabula, Ohio, and uh, back to the where I'd lived before and in a bigger school, much bigger school district. Uh, everything's bigger here. 
Um, so getting a lot of experience in that way, but, but you can't, uh, I just got to say this, that there's a special place in my heart uh, for Middlefield, Ohio, and there always will be. Yeah, sure. And we talked about that too on the phone. You've, you've told me how fun your, your time was there um, and how valuable that was to, to your position now. And, and yeah, that's, that's awesome. I want to talk about some, what are some of the leadership challenges? And this is for either one of you to kind of go off script here because I had some questions I want to ask, but you talked about jumping to a school system with a much larger, wow. uh, bigger size. What, what are some of the leadership challenges that come between small schools and, and large school systems? Like, you know, I'm sure there's smaller school systems have their own leadership challenges that large schools may not have and vice versa. Either one of you want to talk about that? Anything comes to mind? Well, I think too, uh, on top of it, when, when you start with a smaller school, you cover in any position, be it uh, principal, uh, even teacher, sometimes you, you are covering many more things that you would than uh, a larger school district. Because a larger school district, you have a volume, a larger volume of kids, a larger enrollment. So um, you wear many hats, many hats, uh, because you don't have that large enrollment. Um, so you, you can be, uh, some days you might be the custodian. I find myself uh, uh, some days uh, is a superintendent even being crossing guard. I say you just do not have uh, the ability to uh, uh, have the staff and, and backup staff or support. I, I mean, I, I broke that down in a very simplistic form, but that's where you're going to find the big differences. You, you get a lot of experience in a lot of different roles, uh, but the volume uh, and the sheer numbers of, of students uh, is very different. It's, it's much different. And, and I don't know if uh, uh, Markel is, is experiencing a, a different thing. You have, you have many more supports. And, and we had a, a conversation, uh, I think, just last week about that, where, you know, his, his new position is, is very different. And, and there, uh, you know, there are challenges to that as well. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, great points all the way around. Um, and let me say this about uh, Bill, okay? The first superintendent uh, that I've ever seen doing crossing guard duties. That's awesome. Okay? That's awesome. And, and driving down the street, and I remember this day vividly, just so you know. And I'm driving down the street, and he goes, hey, I, you know, I'm on the phone with you right now. This is me down here, and he's waving at the end of my street. And I go, you're, you're, you're the crossing guard. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the crossing guard. Right. I, I, my job requires me to be the crossing guard today. That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing today. Right. And, and did an excellent job that day of being a crossing guard. So I, I just, that is something that kids, parents, principals, teachers, people, are, people remember stuff like that. Um, and, it, and that was not grandstanding. That's, that's Bill. That's, that's Bill. That's who he is. Right. Okay, to the core. So I just want to say that. Um, but he, he broke it down pretty well simplistically, but broke it down in pretty good detail as well. There are differences in small and larger school districts. Um, you know, at, at Cardinal, I wore many different hats, depending on the day and whenever the job needed me. Um, I was doing different things at a moment's notice, whereas here, everybody has their job. Um, it, it, it's very compartmentalized. Everybody has their their specific duties and their jobs. So um, oh, people will let you know, Tim, if you're, if you're out of your lane. Sure. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And and you and I think too, as a leader, I think in a smaller district or even a larger district, you've got to be willing as as a leader that nothing is beneath you. Uh, you need to pitch in uh, wherever there needs to be uh, some help. And I think that's important. I really I really do. Some people say, oh, what's the superintendent doing that? You need to have someone else doing it. Well, if there isn't a person to do that, you need to make sure that you know the kids are kids are. Kids are being crossed, so um, yeah. No you know, I will say that you know that the crossing guard example is something that there's two side, kind of two sides to you know kind of leadership discussion about you know your traits, you know, kind of determine how you are as a leader. And there's some things that you can be taught. I think that's kind of an example of both. Someone maybe seeing you doing that, Bill, being a crossing guard, like I see what he's doing. I need to make sure when I'm in that position one day, I'm not afraid to roll my sleeves up and get my hands dirty, especially when we don't have uh, all the hands that go around. And then part of that too is probably build your character. And I'm sure Markel can speak to your character. That's just who you are. You know, you're just going to jump in. You probably didn't even think about it, Bill, to do that. So, and I know Markel is very similar like that. I'm, I'm sure Markel has got his hands dirty more than once this school year. Uh, so. I, you know, you, Mark, Markel, you were a principal when, when Bill was a superintendent in the same school system. Can you guys talk about that relationship, principal to superintendent relationship, follower standpoint, leadership standpoint, that, that kind of flow back and forth, communication, trust. Um, can you talk about that? Because I think it's really important. Excuse me. Go ahead, Markel. If you want to start that one up and I can, I can. I teed it up for Markel. <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so great relationship. Um, Bill, like I said, I mean, you know, he, he gave me an opportunity to uh, come to a school district um, that I think a lot of people that look like me, they're not there. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Yeah. Okay. And so when I first got there, it was a question of, well, are you a coach? And, you know, you got to smile and you say, no, I'm the principal here. I'm the principal. You think you shock people, Markel? Did that shock a lot of people? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just say that. Yes. But you know what? I mean, um, you know, from the instant that Bill and I met, uh, there was definitely a connection there. Our personalities complement each other. Uh, you know, Bill is he he's very he's very smooth and and even keeled and you know, um, he leads with his heart. He does. He wears his I can, heart. I can tell he's hand on, hand on his youngest with uh, stoicism. I like it. Yes, I, I yeah, definitely. And I'm so, breathing deeply. I'm breathing <laughs> deeply. No, but and, he, and I, would, I would say, uh, I think it was just within seconds when Markel and I first met uh, in the main office at the high school. I knew within 30 seconds there was something special uh, just with his charisma. I could tell his excitement. Uh, there and, and and that's something you can pick up. You know when when you're looking at leaders, I think that there there's that intangible thing, uh, that things that you can just see uh, and feel within, like I said, 30 seconds. Uh, again, uh, the way a person carries themselves, uh, you could you can pick up just with with body language and and enthusiasm, uh, just in a short time. And I felt that very uh, comfortable kind of relationship immediately uh, that I, I knew just in a short time when we were, when we were looking that Markel really was going to rise to the occasion. 
That's awesome. Markel. Right. Right. Thank you. And, and, and you know, so, you know, and, and when we look at this, uh, Bill's leadership in uh, the school district uh, at the time, I know that they were looking prior to Bill coming on or even right when he got on about consolidation and consolidating with the neighboring school district uh, to weather that storm to move forward. And then we start moving and we're, we're now we're, we're, we're running a little bit. And then all of a sudden COVID comes about and uh, things, I mean, literally we had to turn things around in about uh, 24 to 48 hours. And through Bill's leadership, getting everybody together, all the department heads together from the different departments of the school district, the principals. Uh, I think we were in meetings all day uh, that Thursday, I think it was, discussing it and able to turn it around that following week, get our staff, our, our teaching staff ready to go, give them time to prepare and families time to prepare and get that out. He did an excellent job. Uh, just sitting back and watching that, that is something, again, that I will never forget. Uh, that's something that I will try to emulate going forward and watching how he handled that. He did an excellent job of steadying the ship when the seas were rising, when it got really, really bad there. And there have been times when it's gotten really bad uh, at this in the school district and instances and things that have happened. And Bill has been steady in his leadership uh, and Cardinal local schools. I can say that undoubtedly. Thank you. And that's, that's very humbling too. What we did, Tim, and in short order, at two, I think it was two o'clock on a Thursday, our governor, uh, Governor DeWine, made the call that schools would then uh, be shut down. Uh, and uh, in a sense that we would not have uh, kids or nor uh, staff be, uh, in the buildings because of the pandemic. And uh, we had a meeting actually with our, our admin team principals uh, that day. Uh, and then we put together our crisis management team and had a meeting that Friday uh, with it. And it was a very lengthy meeting, but we came up with a plan in short order. Uh, by Sunday, uh, we had an emergency board meeting where we had two memorandums of understanding, uh, one with each union, uh, with our teachers and with our classified staff. And that was, uh, we, we actually had Facebook Live going on it as well. Uh, because we didn't know how many people could attend or wanted to attend that just could not. But we had that on a Sunday uh, where we had basically uh, the two unions understanding that we're going to be crossing areas that uh, we, we've never crossed before as far as job duties and descriptions. But we, we needed to get this done. So on Tuesday, we hit the ground running where we were uh, giving and, and supplying an education to our students. Uh, nearly a thousand students within several days, and um, by Wednesday, that that following day, uh, we were delivering meals uh, in a district uh, which was 85, which is 85 square miles, uh, which is uh, southeastern Jaga County, and then it heads into Trumbull County a little bit as well. So I think what we did with a great, uh, great group of people uh, was we got the job done. Uh, where, you know, some districts still had uh, meal pickups, even if they did meal um, meals at all. We just knew our community and our kids, there was a need there, uh, not only for the education, but actually getting them the necessity of, of the meals, which was a huge part. So, I, you know, we came together, all of our leaders and our leadership team, 
and our crisis management team, and we got it. We got the ball rolling. That's. I mean, I can't even. I can't even. I have, so I have to. There. I'm. I'm trying to really listen to what you're saying, and and I had some questions in my mind. The first. The first thing you said that stood out is you talked about a crisis team. Did you have that in place prior to the pandemic, or that was just something you came up with on the fly? No, that was something. Uh, the crisis team were basically all our departments. We had uh, someone from transportation. We had our uh, a manager, what is now called the manager of operations or our maintenance supervisor. We had teachers. We had some parents there, board members, uh, all of our principals. Because remember, we have a, we have a staff of total of about 150 people, uh, teachers and, and classified uh, staff members. So we, we had a staff about of about uh, almost 20, about 18 to 20 people on this team. And we put all our heads together to say, okay, here's, here, here's what we have. What does this look like? How can we get this done? So we had all the powers that be in the room uh, that you know, said, okay, how can we work out the meals? How can we work out the education process from you know, high school to elementary? Uh, so, because it looked different. Education looked extremely different between the high school versus the elementary. It was night and day. Sure. I'm assuming you, as you get this team together, you, you guys have to start prioritizing things like what are our first, second, third priority, right? I mean, this is going almost from a leadership. This is a leadership discussion. Now it's going into strategy and operations. Like how are we managing the chaos? Right. And I, and I'm assuming you're probably getting a ton of ideas thrown at you. You know, you have to try to take some and, you know, listen. Well, we, 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 we threw it up on the whiteboard, actually, in, in our back conference room, you know, the non-negotiables. Well, we do know. We do know that we cannot have the kids in school. So what does that look like? And that, since it was, that was less of a challenge because most of our kids uh, at the middle school and high school, we have what, what we call one-to-one -one technology. They all have Chromebooks. Um, or so. The, the, one of the challenges that was brought up, well, what if they don't have uh, wireless at home? Uh, what do we do? So we, uh, we, we problem solved on that. We worked with organizations to make sure that we had, in a, in a very short time, um, ways around it. They didn't have technology at home. Uh, we got it to them. And how, how did that w work out? And, and what did that look like? From uh, you know, like I said, alternatives. Uh, if you if you didn't have that technology, we you know we did the book bag, uh, uh, or, or uh, uh, I guess uh, the uh, blizzard bag uh, thing, where we just gave them uh, written assignments, but from how parents could pick that up or how they could be delivered. Actually, what we did at the elementary level, since uh, we didn't have the technology at that time, and eventually we did get it to them, but we were giving blizzard bags out, but we did that through our meal delivery where we were dropping off assignments at their driveways uh, in, in a container. Um, so we had that rotation. We even had it figured out that we were even discussing how long maybe this virus could be um, uh, alive, so to speak, uh, and how long we would have to put it into quarantine before we could have the teachers start looking at the materials. So those were some of the challenges or even picking it up. We had a, a pickup or drop off location as well for the parents too. So it was down to the nitty gritty and step by step. But by putting all of those people in the room, we, we could think about what that looks like uh, from, from start to finish. You had to try to visualize it, even though it hadn't manifested itself. Did you, 
Bill, as a superintendent of the school system, did you know that going into that planning process over those one, two, three, four days, that whatever product you started off with, it wasn't going to be perfect? It was going to be kind of like a work in progress. It, it would be. And I, I was very open with people because we would, and, and that crisis team turned into a problem solving team as we went through uh, COVID. And it turned into not just in person, then we were doing it via uh, Google Classroom or Google Meets uh, and eventually Zoom. So we would just do that crisis team turned into a problem solving team but we had everybody there we had our technology people to say okay here's the problem where are we at how many more uh, hot spots do we need so we could actually problem solve and by putting everybody together that team of 18 we could problem solve things immediately or or uh, you know as quickly as possible uh, we so we had a quick turnaround you know i'm i'm man that's crazy i can't imagine the planning you know, I guess, you know, over the pandemic, one of the, the obviously the, the more crazy things you heard about was how the school systems had to adapt, you know, for as, you know, Markel, you call them our scholars, right, our young scholars. Um, and on a macro level, I'm envisioning every school system in the country, all over the world trying to do this. Right. Were you guys, you know, with a principal or superintendent, were you guys in communication with other school districts trying to figure out what's working? What's not working? I mean, was there communication there? Well, we were fortunate there was, uh, but everybody was trying to figure it out. They were, we were all asking each other uh, for answers and what they were doing. We had another district that was a neighboring district that didn't start it up. Uh, whatever they were doing didn't start up for four weeks because the initial statement from the governor was, well, it will be like an extended spring break. So some districts took that as, okay, well, we won't really need to do anything immediately. We're on break. Schools are shut down. And then we started drilling down and, and following up uh, on some of the tweets, later tweets that came out. Well, that isn't necessarily the case. We need to start up immediately uh, for these kids because uh, also the, the union uh, teachers, you know, they were worried about, well, we didn't want to extend the school year either. You know, we're trying to stay within the confines of the negotiated agreements that we had. So we said, you know what, uh, we had a very supportive leadership on our, our union side saying, you know what, these are, this, we need to start educating. We need to give them a day's worth of education. What does that look like? We don't know. There are going to be problems with that, but we need to start right away. We just can't kick kick it down the road a little bit. So sure. That's tough. Markel, from your, from your role as the principal, I know, I know last time I talked to you on the show, we, we, I specifically asked you about COVID challenges and we were still kind of, I think over the hump, but kind of going down, at least in Ohio. Um, anything you want to add to that from, from your standpoint as a principal, like what were some of your challenges, whether it's communication or, or whatever? No, I think, I think Bill hit the nail on the head with how we did this. And it was definitely a team effort Looking back on that, that is definitely going to be a defining moment uh, for those who are involved in that, uh, you know, that process, everything we did, those from those who were delivering the meals to those who were delivering instruction uh, on a daily basis from their living rooms. Um, and then in the logistics of it, the magnitude of it and how we did it and how quickly we did it, how, how mobile we were to do it. I mean, it was quick. And you look at some of the school districts around the area and everybody's was different. It was completely different 
uh, a different outtake logistics, and obviously they had different uh, circumstances. But for us to do what we did in the amount of time that we did it, Columbus noticed that. They did. And we did hear about it. So again, those who are involved, the entire Cardinal local school should be proud uh, of the job that they did. And, and like I said, under the leadership of Bill, Bill did an, an awesome job. Um, you know, the, the, the principals that were involved, all of the staff, supporting staff, everybody did awesome. And then we were able to turn around in the fall uh, and get back to school. Uh, and that was, that was something that came out of our superintendent's mouth was, hey, we're back and we're back five days a week. And we intend on being back from day one until the end of school, you know, and there were some, some times where we had to be out for a couple days, uh, you know, for a few days sometimes, but we were able to weather that storm and go from the first day until the end. Whereas other school districts were not able to do that that following year. And some districts didn't even go back until after, uh, after January, where right. we were back in August uh, running and we even had a plan what that looked like we met with the staff we, we uh, started the school year about five days later so we could do the training necessary uh, to do that but that was through back to, as far as leadership and seeing Jermaine to 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 uh, Tim the, the goal of this is is basically through our leadership team we set that up through that crisis team we set that up okay this is what we think it's going to look like we know again the big thing is we're going back we're going back with our kids and it, we may not have all of them back some of them might be remote but again we want to open the doors and we want to do it safely so we took a look at social distancing and what the cdc guidelines were and and basically opened it up from there we knew that it was gonna, you know, we were gonna mask up. Uh, we didn't, you know, we weren't even talking about vaccines at the time. We were looking at simply social distancing and masking and what that looked like. And our team just thrived. We said, okay, how can we make this work? Uh, and we knew it was not gonna be perfect, nor was it perfect. But again, from start to finish, as, as uh, Markel mentioned, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the team because we had to be so fluid and then we got into the, you know, contact tracing, which we had never heard of before. And, and uh, uh, it's something that we did on a daily basis then. Uh, and it turned into, you know, we were uh, an arm of the health department, uh, another appendage. So, um, so it, it was very interesting. But again, the team and the collaboration that happened through that crisis team to get us rolling, I, I, I put that together was everybody working together. Yeah, definitely, you know, from a team team effectiveness standpoint, there was definitely probably no room for people to have egos and say, well, we're going to do my plan or whatever. It's, you know, what's the best for for the scholars, for the parents. And you know, that's, it's really fascinating that you just built a playbook from scratch. Well, and that's what earlier on that Thursday before the governor uh, called that that we would we would be shutting down the schools in Ohio. I was at a superintendent's meeting and one of the more veteran superintendents goes, well, what, what is the playbook? What are we going to do? And I said to that superintendent until to the other superintendents in, in two counties, Lake and Jaga, I said, we're writing it now. We're making that. We're figuring it out. Real time, We've never real time. been through this before. Yeah. Yeah. Boots on the ground, real time coming up with the strategy. That's and that, that's exciting. It was exciting, but it was a challenge. And, and I think 
uh, that's where you see, uh, you know, and, and again, I attribute the, the team that we had of, of good principals and, and, and leaders to do that. Um, and we stood together and we said, we're going to get this done. And we worked collaboratively. And sure. again, the egos were checked at the door. Sure. I want to get a little kind of academic for a second, kind of academic theory and teaching strategy. Is, is the pandemic, and you know, hopefully we are on the tail end of this thing and you guys don't have to ever do this again. Um, but this, is this something that for educators, like in college, is this something that will be taught eventually in the curriculums for, for future principals? Like, okay, we may have to deal with this in the past. How do we capture the kind of the lessons learned from what, all that hard work you, you all did, putting the strategy together? How do we make sure that's not lost and you don't have to reinvent the wheel five years from now? Maybe when you're retired or, you know, Markel retired or whatever, how do we ensure that, you know, there's something stays in place permanent where, you know, it's not going to be a huge playbook from scratch. That makes sense. Markel, did you want to start that one off? Because I have some ideas on that. Uh, hey, you're, you go ahead. I'll, I'll follow up on this. You go ahead. Tim, I think it's going to take time to synthesize, you know, this is conversation and what we did going through what all districts did and were faced with we're, is history. We're going to have to let it settle uh, and synthesize what's going on to really uh, analyze what, what happened. Again, you're changing a century, primarily a system that has been around for over a century of public education. And again, uh, what, what the nation did is just truly amazing, truly amazing in, in a pandemic. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to take a look at how things were done, uh, the successes we had. And, and um, I think even to this day, out of the pandemic, we're seeing some good things come out on maybe alternative ways we can do and, and uh, deliver education. And I think it opened up some of the doors for that. So I think it's already happening, Tim. But I think for it to come out in, in the college arena, uh, for training, I think that's going to be, it, it's going to take some time to synthesize that and let it settle in before it can really make a difference. And and again, it's truly a management and leadership uh, piece right there that uh, it, it's going to take some time. Things like this uh, it, is definitely opening the door for that. Yeah, I mean, definitely a a, uh, a course in decision-making, right? Decision-making 101 from, from leadership and followership standpoints. So it's, uh, again, remarkable. Markel, do you have anything you want to add? So from that, uh, and, and so eloquently spoken by, by Bill, uh, that command duty officer position that, that I was in uh, at, at Station Ashtabula in the Coast Guard, I think helped out a lot too. Um, because at night when you're at home um, and you're resting and you're getting calls about search and rescue or about cases and you have to make a decision on those things, uh, and report to your obviously your your superiors, your higher ups. Um, that did help. That that put it in into play. Um, so a lot of the the lessons I learned in the military of not to panic, to try to keep a cl clear head and to move forward and to keep pushing forward. That is always there when you're in when you're in a profession for ten years. It's not just a profession anymore. It's part of who you are as a person. And one of the things that Mike Tyson said, and I love this quote. Everybody has a plan until you get hit in the face, right? And that's what happened. Uh, that happened to us here. And we didn't flinch. 
And, and, and this also was a big story in teamwork. I mean, when you look at the teamwork that was involved in marshalling those resources in order to do that, what we did, it, it was huge. We're, I'm not gonna minimize that at all, but it also lets you know what a team looks like when it works well together, when all the parts are moving together, when it's not you know, 10 to 15 or 20 different boats rowing on their own, but it's one big ship going in the same direction. We know that in the past, um, technology, some schools had it, some schools did not have it. The government didn't really subsidize it prior to COVID, pre-COVID, and then money started to flow in after COVID occurred. And so now we're in a situation like Bill said, we can deliver instruction in different modes, right? It's not just on site. Now it's, it can be right here. It can be on Zoom. It can be on Google Meets. And every school, I think just about every school now, or most, do have those capabilities now. Um, and those, those families do have those hotspots that they need, right? We also know this, and this is the last thing I wanna say. We know that social emotional learning um, was thought of prior to pre-COVID. But again, what we're seeing is now, primarily, that it is huge. Um, that our, that our scholars are coming back very anxious, that some of them are, are depressed. Um, and, and the social part that you have when you go to school, because some of them haven't been in school for over two years. Crazy. And, and again, right. So when I have meetings like now, and we talk about, hey, the, the kids aren't doing this, or the socially they're this, or they're that, or they're this. And I always have to be that person to go, how many of you raise your hand have been through a pandemic the size of COVID. I think the last one was 1919 or something in that effect. So how many of you have been through this? And how would you feel if you were a kid, if we were kids and that was going on with us? How would we respond? We don't know that. So there's that cold dose of reality to go, hey, we have an issue here, right? And we know what the issue is. We have to meet our kids where they're at right now. Okay, and try to get them back because we know through gaps and we look at the diagnostics through testing. Bill will tell you this. When you look at those gaps in testing and the diagnostics, right? You know what the gap is? It's two years. Almost to a T, it's two years. It's right around one to about two and a half. So we know that. Okay. And that's what we're battling now. That's why you're starting to see people are leaving our profession. There is a lot of movement going on. It's very fluid right now. And I think that's part of it. It's not only our scholars, it's our families, it's our parents, it's our teachers, it's our support staff, it's everybody. And everybody is still grappling with that. So I think that's the lesson learned here is we have to learn to live with it as leaders and have that calming voice, right? And have a clear direction and know where it's at, but understand where we are as people, where we're at. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's very well, well put. How do you, as administrators, is retention an issue now in, in the education system, retaining good teachers? Like, is it really, is it, is it a problem? Yes, they're, they're just leaving the field. Um, uh, the stressors uh, of that. Um, How do you lead through that? How do you lead through that process? You know what, every day uh, you, you try to figure that out. There isn't, again, uh, you you just try to get through. Uh, you try to plan the best that you can. Uh, like for instance, um, 
finding staffing is, is very difficult, uh, especially if absenteeism is up, uh, you know, and that could be, you know, so like, uh, again, what Markel mentioned, uh, you know, social emotional learning and everybody's dealing with that, the stressors, uh, you know, and, and the pressures of not only being a scholar, but also being an educator. Um, we just don't have the people that are going into education, so we don't have the substitutes necessarily. So one of the things that we found is that uh, we, we hired on building subs uh, to do that. So we said, you know what, we understand that we're going to have problems filling these roles of substitute teachers. We're just not going to have enough. Also, I think the state has uh, relaxed um, the requirements for substitute teachers saying for this year or for the next two years, you do not need to have a, a four-year college degree. We're even taking people that graduated from high school to fill the void. So we're, we're actually looking for different ways. And that's not just teachers, it's bus drivers, it's even custodians. They, it, it, we, you know, the, the stress of, of just uh, the salaries, uh, you know, it's hard to compete. Uh, so it's, it's it, and it's everywhere. It's not just education too. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Man, that's, uh, I think, I think we can kind it's of- sobering, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to talk about COVID a little bit because again, you can't talk, I can't talk to two administrators in the school systems and not talk about leadership and the role during COVID and followership because, I mean, it took leadership and followership, resilience, adapt, adaptability, flexibility, trust, communication, all of those factors had to play a role daily in what you guys had to do, and not just obviously the education system, but you know other other uh, industries as well. But um, there was just so much at stake with with the young kids and, and learning and making sure they weren't left behind, right? And Markel, you, I love that quote. You know, we have to lead them where they're at, which I think is uh, I'm, that's stuck right here in my gray matter. It's kind of gave me chills when you said that because it's so true. Um, you know, and you talked about the two year gap and. You know, it's, it is. It's a little sobering, as, as, as Bill said, and, but hopefully there's light here at the end of this tunnel and, and we can get through it. As long as people like you are in your roles doing your thing, I'm, I'm sure we will. Uh, let's pivot to followership because I'm a big, big proponent, and my wife is too, that sometimes we, we place too much emphasis on this leadership topic and we don't place enough emphasis on followership. Can you, can you guys talk about your just idea of followership, what it means maybe in, in your settings and your systems and the school systems? Okay. I think, go ahead, Markel, you, you, you've got it. You've got something at the tip of your tongue. So go. <laughs> uh, that is a word that is near and dear to me. Uh, you can't be a good leader without being a good follower and effective follower as well. Knowing that um, there are times um, there are things that I know and there are things that I don't know there. You know, you always hear the saying, some people, you know, what you, what you know, you know, what you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And you have people on a team that may be more equipped to handle certain situations. And as a leader, you need to be able to step aside and model that followership as well and be able to say, I am empowering you to do what you do best to go and do this and, and I'm going to step back and I'm going to, I'm going to follow and I'm going to show everybody else that I'm going to follow. It's important to do that. Um, you know, it, it's part of being a leader. It really is. And being a good leader, because if you're not a person that is able to do those jobs that others have, you know, that you're asking others to do, 
or recruiting them to do or, or, you know, or tasking them to do, and you don't understand it, then your credibility and your reliability as a leader is going to take a hit. Um, so I think that's very important. Bill, it's all you. Well, and, and I think uh, I've always said that, you know, leaders, uh, you know, need to know when to lead and when to follow. And, and I think that was a collaborative approach that we've talked about just with the crisis team. I think oftentimes you as a leader, that's the people around you are, are the support. They have the answers. They have better answers as, as a leader. And I think that's what, uh, you know, as, as a follower, you need to know when to depend on the team or when to lead. I think the leader is just putting all of that group together. Um, to figure out, well, you know, it's it's the conductor, but in order to to get that orchestra playing, everybody has to have and, and know their part and to to do that because you, as as a leader, you cannot be the full orchestra. You're you're only the 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 person kind of putting that together. Um, so it turns into this, uh, you know, uh, uh, harmonious uh, kind of. Uh, uh, sound that that you enjoy, uh, you can't do it all, uh, and that's where it's so important that leadership. You're not to do it all. Good leaders can't do it all, it, and nobody can. So that followship and taking people from where they're at into the next step that, that that's so important. But it, it's and it goes back to collaboration. You have to collaborate, and and you have to follow, and 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 let your team and the people around you take that lead uh, because that's what they are good at. And, and you've got you've to really uh, celebrate that and, and, and really work with that. What I love about this is that, okay, now he's, he's not telling you this, but he used to be a band director as well. So when he starts talking about uh, the orchestra and the parts, metaphors, the orchestra. he is, he, yes, he, he loves music. He, he's a music guy. Uh, that's something that we used to sit and listen to music during some of our admin meetings. We would sit and listen to music where there were a couple of movie clips and things we would watch. Uh, there were some good times in those, those admin meetings. It wasn't just all business. Uh, it, it was about people, but I, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, as a as a something to laugh about and smile about. Well, you know, and and Bill knows too that orchestra metaphor it works for leadership and, and followership and you know trying to get everybody on the same page, same sheet of music, which is easier said than done, as you both know. Easier said right. than done. Uh, let's let's pivot to the community. Uh, what is the importance of building relationships, kind of within the community, especially at, at your positions? Um, whether it's teachers, students, par parents, whatever it might be, what's the importance of, of the community building relationships and how that applies to leadership in your guys' roles? First of all, the community really dictates as far as what they want out of the schools or organizations or, you know, even your, your village council. They set the stage and, and they, you need to listen to them. You need to listen to figure out what they want uh, in, in education, it, you know, because that, that's the arena that we're talking about uh, tonight is, is that uh, education is local control. So that local government, that local community 
sets the table for the expectations and you need to be listening very closely to what they're saying and if if you aren't then you you're not giving them what they want and and then uh, there will be a disconnect so i think it's it's integral to as far as an essential to listen to what that community wants and, and work with the community and it starts with listening you need to find out what the needs are we know and and, and markel brought that up um something that the community said to their local village government is you know with consolidation leave our schools alone uh you know what we like our schools and uh please we we don't want to have a consolidation uh we appreciate we want our schools uh we like our schools and and the options and the education that uh, the 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 uh, scholars uh and community are, are getting uh, can i can i interrupt for just a second yes. for, for some of the listeners who may not quite understand the consolidation piece what do you mean by by consolidation if you can kind of clarify that a little bit um there with consolidation uh meaning that it would uh you would team up with another district or be absorbed by another school district because in in uh since it, and i mentioned this with local control when you have a smaller district that and another district that uh people think well you could partner up and it bigger is better right. so it's basically putting uh a, a one school district with that's adjacent to or next to uh, contiguous is the word uh mm -hmm. next to you would be combining into one larger district okay. to, to make it better or maybe have better options. Sure. And I'm sure there's definitely arguments both sides why this is good, why this is not good, right? I'm sure it comes from, from everywhere. So, okay, right. cool. So, so I, I think back to listening to what that community and, and engaging with the community, it, it's essential for uh, to have a good school system. You need to find out what the needs of the community are and be listening to that and working with it because that only makes the school stronger for instance we we heard that uh you know we, uh, the, the uh, village rec department was struggling with some of the programming now there's a relationship between the village rec department and the schools where the schools are actually running and managing their rec department uh, a lot of the activities take part in the schools or on uh in the in and on the facility grounds of the school so what a what a nice collaborative piece uh again to make the school stronger and the village stronger working together as partners yeah that's, that's fascinating okay. facilitating those those lasting partnerships with your your stakeholders the community and i come from a, a family of businessmen and women so the community, like Bill is stating, they're our consumers, okay? And so when Bill talks about the community uh, as a whole, they're our consumers, we better be listening to our consumers uh, in order to make our product more perfect and better for them and their families. Um, let me give you, let me just say this, whenever I go, wherever I go uh, and I work, I try to be part of the community. I try to be the person that they see in the community. So it's not just me, um, coming in and leaving, um, but that I live there, they see me shopping, they see me, you know, they see me in different places. Uh, they see me walking around the neighborhood, they see me mowing my lawn, they see me playing with my kids or, or spending time with my family. I think that's very important as well uh, to have that connection 
because then that lets people know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm invested in, in skin being in the game. here. Skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and not only saying it, but showing it and showing it and being right on that. I, I think it's very, very important uh, as far as having the community involved. And it's important just to be a part of the community. You always want to be that person. So. And Mark Kell really showed that, you know, he, he was uh, commuting in for a while and then, uh, you know, he said he wanted to be a part of the community. And I don't think that was ever questioned, but and it, it can be questioned with leaders uh, in, in schools. Oh, well, he's only here. And I, I didn't spend the time, but I don't think it was ever questioned with the engagement that we as a team of administrators, uh, we, we are actively participating with the community. It may not be, you know, all the time that we would like to or that we can do, um, but we're, it's quality time, so to speak, and, and you're meeting and, and they feel a part of, of the schools or that organization. Sure. Markel, you said something that kind of struck me too about, you know, you have come from a family of, of businessmen and businesswomen. Um, as an administrator, an administrator role, superintendent, principal, do you have to look at the school systems kind of as a business? Is that part of it? You have to look at it at one angle. That's one angle you have to look at. Can you explain that a little more? A absolutely. Absolutely. You do. You do have to look at it in a lot of ways as a business. It's more than that. Sure, of course. And, and, and we know that. Uh, because you can't look at it as just the business side, but it is part of it. It is an aspect. And I can remember, and I say this, uh, you know, grandpa's in the hospital right now, um, by the way. And I just want to say, I love you. Yeah, shout um, out to but thank you. It means a lot to you. I know that. Yes, he does. And, uh, but one of the things he always said was the customer is always right. There's something you got to be listening to that and, and knowing what it is. Um, and so when you have parents coming in, they're frustrated, they're upset. Parents want to be heard. They want to be heard. They want to be respected. Um, blowing them off and saying, well, I know better because I'm this, I'm that. That's not true. Okay. So when we look at this as a business, a business doesn't succeed without listening to its customer, listening to its consumer. Right. And so if people are frustrated with things. There's, there's gotta be something in there and a reason why. Right. And you try to address those things, because if you don't, we know and, and Bill will attest to this, you know, you have open schools now. Right. So you can open enroll. So a person can say, you know what, I'm out of here. It's a free country. I can leave and, and I'm gone and I'll take my money with me because the money comes in with with the scholars. That's not what this is about. But you don't you're not going to run a school district losing. 25% of your student population either, because then again, like Mr. Commander, like Bill said, you know, the bigger, the bigger fish may be looking to swallow you up in consolidation, right? So you always, you're always wanting to listen um, and, and try to accommodate, try to respect people, um, try to cut to what's going on, what the issues are, and show them in a good faith effort and demonstrate or model it that, hey, I'm not only gonna listen to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take action. We're gonna take action. Because a lot of people are fed up with lip service, they don't wanna hear it, they wanna see action, okay? And I think, you know, Bill, Bill did a great job of that. Bill didn't, didn't talk the talk, he walked the walk, period. That's what he did, um, you know? And so when I look at that, I just think that, you know, as, as far as education leadership goes, yes. You do have to approach it in some ways, in some aspects as a business too, because you can't run a school district that way. He's gonna tell you more about that. I'm still learning. <laughs> take, take it away, Bill. 
Well, and, and it is a business. Uh, and, and again, we, we know it's more than a business, but oftentimes that is actually uh, among leaders is lost, that it truly is a business. Uh, it comes down to dollars and cents. And most school leaders don't have that business side or has not, have not seen that business side traditionally. Um, and, and Markel and I have some unique ways of how we've gotten to the positions that we have. Um, but most leaders, superintendents, principals, you know, they started off, they went to college because they wanted to teach and then, um, or they had a likeness for that content area. So they did, you know, their four years uh, of college and got their first teaching job. And whether it's coaching or in music, they, you know, they felt the need to become that leader, that educational leader. And the natural thing was to become that principal or department chair. And then the next step is just kind of moving up within education. It's not, you, you don't really learn the business side, dollars and cents and negotiating, uh, you know, contracts and how the business side really works. And you kind of learn it on the fly uh, and you learn through, through mistakes too. So I, I think oftentimes, you know, when it comes down to putting together and building a facility even, um, but as simple as personal relationships too and building that, it's a business. Because again, what, what uh, Markel said and his grandfather has always said, you know, the customer's always right. And, and knowing who that customer is, um, it, it's, it's important. Uh, but, uh, you know, you hear this oftentimes with an education, you know, it's all about the kids. That is not easy to do, you know, saying that it, because it, some decisions aren't about the kids, unfortunately, but you have to make it about the kids. And those are the tough decisions, you know, how to get that done. From a, uh, from a perspective, Bill and Markel, that kind of that, that mantra, it's all about the kids. Is that kind of, would you say that's kind of like a number one visionary piece for leadership in the education system or principle is we got to get back to that. It's about the kids or decisions we make should be for the best interests of, of the scholars. Is that, is it safe to say that that's kind of like a guiding thing for you? It, it is for me. I can tell you that. And, and that's where uh, sometimes when you're doing that, uh, people don't see that. Um, but I, I think even with, with Markel, I, I think we, again, that was that, you, I said, I kind of knew in 30 seconds, you can get a feel and he always put scholars first. And, um, and that's what made some of those tough decisions easier to do, knowing that, you know, this is the right thing to do because it's the right thing for our kids. It's the right thing for our scholars. And, and we had some, some tough decisions to make, both both him and myself that we were faced with, uh, with personnel at times, but we had to, it really became simple. What is best for kids? No, that's, that's great. That, that's it. That's it. You know, encapsulated, that's it. It's always been about that for me. It has always been about that for me. Um, it's always been about our scholars. Um, and so I, as long as every day that I wake up, you know, we're always trying to help them succeed and getting them to, like I said, meeting them where they're at, but getting them to where they need to be personally, where they want to go. Okay. 
And as long as you, as long as we use that as our North star, um, we're going to make it, we're, we're going to make it. We just are. And even if it's, I always say, if it's, if, if I made one scholar, one kid, one young man, one young lady smile that day or laugh or chuckle, then I've done my job. I've done my job. If I taught them something or made them think about something, uh, one person per day, uh, I've done my job. And, and that's the, and that's the way I look at it because those little things do add up. Um, I can name, and I think, you know, Tim, I told you this, I can name almost every teacher I had from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade. I can name them all. Um, and I remember them vividly. So our young men and young women, they, they do know us. They remember us, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> they do. They really do. Um, and actually, one of them, um, uh, Mr. Barth, uh, who is a band director, he's assistant band director at Berea High School, Berea Mid Park High School. Let me get that right, because they did consolidate. They did. They merged anyway. Uh, the high schools merged. They didn't consolidate. They just merged. But he's he's retiring after I think 30 years. And well, one of my favorite all-time teachers was Mr. Barth, Mr. Dan Barth. So I just want to just give a quick shout out to him and say congratulations and, and happy retirement. I sent him a video as well, uh, congratulating him. But we had a lot of times together from seventh grade all the way up through uh, 12th grade. Um, he was there for me. And so I just wanted to say congratulations, but very important uh, to, look at, to look at our scholars and say it's all about them. It's always been about them. Yeah, that's great. I have two final questions, very mindful of your guys' time. We've hit about an hour. I just got two final questions I wanna ask you ask you both, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of put a bow on it. Um, the first one is as leaders in your roles, what keeps you up at night with it about your school systems? Like what are kind of maybe some of the vulnerabilities or the things that, you know, you're always on your mind that you, you may be concerned about and maybe just a general sense, I don't need any specifics, but just generally, you know, from administrator position, what keeps administrators up at night about their school systems? Uh, I think over my career that changes. Yeah. It depends on the situation. It's situational. Okay. When I was a cardinal, one of the things that kept me up at night was once I recognized how uh, it, it, in such financial dire straits the district was in. And that was six months into my superintendency um, where the treasurer said, I don't think we're, I don't know if we're going to be able to make payroll. Uh, and that was something that that kept me up at night because I was responsible for making sure that our, our scholars were getting an education, but also the people that we hired to do so, we were able to, to pay them for, for the, the fantastic things that they were doing. And I didn't know as a superintendent if I was going to be able to do that. So I felt that was one thing that definitely kept me up many nights so uh, again that was just something more recent and and we're in a lot better situation after that uh, it's been about three years running now that much better it was still a long way to go but that was one thing that uh, you know I, I still think about and that would definitely it, it kept me up many nights thinking how could we get through this what needed to happen 
to get us to that point where it wasn't keeping me up and, and I didn't think what ifs. But but again, Tim, that's a situational thing, at least with me. Um, and, and that's changed from time to time. It could be, you know, when, when again, Markel mentioned about SEL, social emotional learning, and now we see that it gets so much attention now in the media. Uh, I think that is something too that that's kept me up at nights when we have so many scholars, so many kids, students that are just uh, they're, they're, they handle so many things or have to deal with so many things emotionally and they don't know what to do. That those are the type of things that keep me up. So, uh, Markel, you can elaborate and and might add your things too because it it's situational for me. Yeah. I appreciate your, your, your candid candidness, Bill. And those definitely, I can imagine probably you probably in, in your mind at night wondering how you're going to have some of those really hard conversations. It probably was not easy. So I, I but I appreciate your, your candidness. Yeah. Right. And, and again, just to kind of piggyback off of what, what Bill is saying, um, what I try to do when I come home is I try to sleep <laughs> because we do have, uh, sleepless nights. We do. With, with everything that we deal with, we try not to bring it home. Um, but that's just part of, that's the nature of our job. It just, it really is. It's the nature of our job. We spend more time in our facilities with our, with our scholars and our staff and, and the like more than we do with our, our own families. And so when I get home, I try to make this a calming environment. Um, I, I would say the things that keep me up probably uh, are that that social emotional part? We are dealing with the emotional fallout of this pandemic. That's what we're that's what we're dealing with and grappling with right now, uh, and it continues, right? It just it continues, and we can't have enough resources right now. I think that we are treading water. Some school districts, the water's over their head. Um, when I have a counselor and you walk in the door, and every day. I mean, from when he gets there to when he leaves, he's got somebody in there. Sometimes there's lines out that door. Sometimes they're waiting in conference rooms for him. And we don't have enough staff to help them. That concerns me. Yeah. Because it is starting to turn into that where I know my strengths. I also know my weaknesses. That's one that's a weakness for me. I'm, and I said this to a, a parent last night. You know, I'm not a certified psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, I'm not any of those things. I'm a principal. I'm a human being. I'm flesh and bone. I can help you with academics. I can do what I can to comfort you and protect you the best I can. But the other stuff, that's just not my realm. All I can do is try to facilitate and get you those resources the best we can. So that's the biggest thing for me right now as we look forward is that emotional fallout for our scholars, for our families, for everyone here. I don't think some of us really know um, that it has impacted us. We really don't know yet. And our, our scholars, our young men and young women are showing us that it's there. I think that we as adults, we suppress a lot of it, but it's still there. Yeah. And so I think that's what keeps me up at night. When I don't sleep, I try to sleep, I do. <laughs> Appreciate that. Very, uh, really great answers. I, I appreciate that. And they're definitely heartfelt. And, and I, again, just I'm grateful that you guys talked about that. So I appreciate it. Final question for the both of you. And your respective positions, superintendent, principal. Bill, I'll start with you. What advice would you give 
somebody maybe stepping into their first superintendent role of their career? What uh, leadership advice or just general advice? Like what would you, what wisdom would you impart uh, on that person who, who would assume a role like that? Uh, one word, listen, uh, listen. And, and I think it's, I think it's over said, but again, truly to engage it and hear what the other person is saying or the other group is saying. I think that's, that's vitally important. The leadership things will come in, and again, that can be situational too, but uh, to gain trust, you need to have that respect uh, of the other person and listen uh, to truly uh, try and understand what maybe they're bringing to the table. I think that is something that we all are in a, a now real-time society uh, and we want answers immediately. You can't give those answers immediately. Again, you need to you need to listen and kind of assess what you know what what is upon you. Uh, but again, you, you just need to listen. Uh, I think that would be the best advice that I could give, and it, it doesn't seem like there's enough time in the day to do that. But again, if you're not if you're not truly engaged, uh, then you've you've lost the beginning. You don't give that. That's a good one. Markel, it's going to be a tough one to top. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and I say this all the time. Um, Bill, just, just he, he, he has. He has really impacted my career. Um, uh, like I said, the, the trust that he put in me to, to lead Cardinal after he left, I really appreciate. I do, I do want to say that. Um, Cardinal is going to lose a very, very fine educator, leader, superintendent. And, uh, and I'm just going to say that unequivocally. Uh, there were some comments made about alignment with the leadership, alignment with the superintendent, principal, guidance counselor. There were no issues with, with those at all. I just want to say that, okay? I, I had an opportunity uh, presented to me, and I took that opportunity. And I tell anyone, any of my staff members or anybody, if you have the opportunity uh, to advance, and you think it's time to advance and to go forward, then you go forward, then you move forward. And nothing to do other than that. So for anybody to read anything else into that, I just want to just say that. And I want to tell him and thank him for everything he's done for me personally and professionally. Well, and, um, every, every, and we know too, every good leader wants the people that work for them to, to do, take those opportunities when they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and Bill, Bill's one, he helped me move into my house when I moved into middle field, <laughs> he came out and he helped me. Uh, we had some issues with, uh, I think it was a mattress, right. And I tying it together. And I remember now I, I'm supposed to know how to tie knots. Bill actually <laughs> did a better job of tying the knots than I did. Uh, he's like, we got this man. We got this. <laughs> you can't know, tie a knot, tie a lot. That's what I always Right, say. right. right. But exactly. Answer, <laughs> but to answer the question. Okay, I'll say this. I got four things. I'll try to make them quick. Listen's definitely important. Okay, I always say the old the old man gave us two ears and one mouth to listen twice as much as we speak. Right? I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, love, love people, love people. I know that sounds sixty-ish, but we're 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 missing that right now. Yeah. Our kids are our kids need that more than anything else. We all need that more than anything else right now. I think that's where some of the emotional and social, social stuff is coming from. We don't love each other enough anymore. We're always quick to find 
faults with each other, to fight with each other, instead of listening to each other and loving each judgment. other. A lot of judgment. Yeah, a lot of judgment. No patience. I'm going to try to find the things that, that, uh, that separate us or make us different instead of the things that bring us together, which, by the way, we have more similarities than we have differences. Agreed. Okay, so listen, love, uh, be yourself as a leader. This is who I am. Uh, you know that, Tim. Yep. Bill, you know that. This is not a show. Be your authentic self. Be your authentic self. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that you both uh, look at me as a person. Uh, you don't look at the facade that sometimes other people get caught up in. Uh, but you, you see underneath that. You go, you dig deeper. But then the last thing is to have fun, man. You know, I always said that as a coach. But just in life, enjoy the ride. I tell my kids this. Don't take people for granted because you never know when they're going to be gone. Yeah. And that's true in any walk of life. You know, you could have a relationship with somebody, a professional relationship and a personal relationship. And next thing you know, they've moved on to something else. And you go, dang it, I missed I missed that person. I miss him. I miss Bill. I miss some of the jokes. I miss some of the corniness at the admin meetings that we had. And, you know, because now, you know, you look back and you go, I wish I had a meeting like that sometimes now where people aren't as uptight. Um, so those those four things, listen, love, you know, be yourself, right, and have fun. That's, that's great stuff. I, uh, I'm a better person having this conversation with, with the both of you. I really, I really appreciate, especially meeting, meeting you, Bill, for the first time. And uh, I, everything Markel is saying, I can obviously, it comes through, even though we're on Zoom. Uh, you're, you're a wonderful human being. And yes, the Cardinal school system will, will miss you. So, um, Thank you. You're all too kind. The check's in the mail, Dr. Perkins. <laughs> uh, I, I think I have your forwarding address, your new address there in Ashtabula. So, uh, you know, not too far down the road either. So, uh, well, and I'm moving next summer, Bill. So I may need someone to help me move into my next. Spot. I'm, in. <laughs> I'm in. You just let me know. Let me know. We'll get the rope ready. I've there got the go. rope ready All to right. go. So gentlemen, I am grateful for your time. Thanks for spending uh, about an hour and 15 minutes with Leadosophy with me. And uh, let's do this again sometime. I would love to do this again. Absolutely. Bill, thank you for uh, the craziness in the background. It's uh, oh, good. a little Part difficult life, with, uh, with the two-year-old and, and uh, trying, to, trying to do that balance as well. So I appreciate your patience with that as well. Gentlemen, you guys have a great night and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, thank gentlemen. You. Take care. Take care. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button. And check out Leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.